The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the look at right here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. I'm holding it down tonight for Scott Seidenberg, who you were able to find on the nightcap. So great to be able to be in with you guys tonight. And good that we've actually caught a little bit of action that we're going to be able to take a look at as well. Because, well, when it comes to Christmas Eve, there's not going to be a lot of lot. You always get the traditional bowl game out there in the great state of Hawaii. And, man, that's about it. And. Ironically enough, when it comes to Christmas Day, the epicenter of college basketball is in Hawaii as well. So we've got a lot going on when it comes to holidays to be able to keep all of us with regards to a little bit of action. But with that said, speaking of some action, we are going to be able to have some on the college basketball betting board for Thursday. We've also got a lot of NBA as well. So John Von Tobel does a great job at the network. He's going to be joining me in about 30 minutes. We're going to be taking a look at just how to handicap some of these games in general right now because you do have yourself some strange situations with teams and especially players. Marquee ones at that currently going through health and safety protocols. You might wind up seeing some things adjusted for the Christmas Day game. So, I mean, it certainly is a strange time just with regards to everything. But with that said, what is not strange is the fact that we've got four games that's going to be going down in Hawaii. Most of you guys know that I do a podcast here at VSIN called Coast to Coast Soups. You're able to find that wherever you find your favorite podcast. But two games I was unable to hit upon on that podcast because they typically break down every game every day. That would be the final two out there in Hawaii for the Diamond Classic because this game just won final. You wound up seeing Vanderbilt be able to win and cover against Hawaii as the total winds up going under as well. 
68 to 54 was your final. Vanderbilt opens up right around a five and a half point favorite. Money turned out to be right in this one as they wind up closing as a six and a half point favorite, and they're able to win the game by 14 points. A total of between 133 and a half and 134 very much goes under as well. So you wind up seeing Vanderbilt be able to get the job done. And now that sets up a pair of matchups that I think are going to be very intriguing as we're going to be going to the bottom of the board. And if you're wondering if there are any lines currently out for this, no, there are not. So I'm pretty much going to give you guys my handicap. And then from there, when these lines go up in the AM, I would say that should be right around if you're out there on the East Coast, 8-ish AM, give or take. It might wind up being a little bit earlier. It might wind up being a little bit later, but you can probably expect something like that if you're looking Pacific time more around like 5, 6 a.m., something like that. But how about if we hit on the two games that we're going to be seeing towards the conclusion of the Diamond Egg Classic as you've got Hawaii versus South Florida and Vanderbilt versus BYU. We're going to go with the losers game first of South Florida versus Hawaii. This is a game by which I want to make Hawaii a three-and-a-half point favorite. I think that these teams will be pretty much dead equal on a neutral court. I want to rewarding three-and-a-half points for Hawaii due to home court. I would typically actually award a little bit more, but I was taking a look at that Vanderbilt versus Hawaii game. The fans weren't necessarily out in full force in these stands in this one. I do have to feel like COVID-19 protocols, as I know that they're a little bit more stingy out there in Hawaii than other states in the country. That probably played a little bit of a factor with that, but you take a look at both of these scenes, and both of these teams are not necessarily going to be lighting it up when it comes to their offense. You've got a South Florida team that, I believe they have played one game to the over, and they failed to get 40 points against BYU. Now, BYU, we're going to be getting to them in a few minutes. They're actually a very good defensive team, but when it comes to the South Florida bunch, it is a team that I think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. Russell Chua is a guy that's able to give you six rebounds per game, so he's relatively solid there. But when you take a look at what you're able to get on the flip side for why, what I think it's going to be big for them is being able to just hit South Florida to the free throw line as strange as that sounds because South Florida is one of the worst shooting teams in all of college basketball. You probably would rather have them go to the free throw line rather than try to attempt a layup or something like that because this is a team that going into their game against BYU and these numbers went down by the way. They were shooting 65-ish percent at the free throw line, 23.8 percent from three-point range so they have an absolute future with that aspect. Now Caleb Murphy going to be one of the best players out there on the floor. A guy that for the South Florida team has been able to give them 13 points, 3.8 assists. The turnovers aren't necessarily bad with South Florida at 12, but also keep in mind that this is a South Florida team that they rank in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game. So this is a very slow, a very methodical style team. And then you take a look at the flip side for Hawaii, and they were just absolutely sloppy in their game against Vanderbilt. They wound up committing 19 turnovers in this game. So that is a little bit of a issue that you do wind up having with regards to the team. And when it comes to Hawaii as well, what I think is going to be big for them is being able to heat up a little bit from three-point range because when you talk about South Florida and how they were just completely ice cold all season long, they're shooting about 23-ish percent from three-point range. Well, the Rainbow Warriors, this is a team that they themselves are shooting about 37% from the year, but you could tell that a lot of this was due to the fact that they wanted playing against a bunch of non-D1 teams when they play against actual D1 teams. This is a number that it does wind up sliding a little bit, and this is a team that they've been dealing with quite a few injuries. Bernardo Bernardo De Silva is someone that wanted being out the full once again in the team's first three games. He was averaging 15.5 points per game. He wanted missing this game, so it's very much a Hawaii team that is looking to mix and match at this point, and as a result, they've really had to rely upon 
one man for all their scoring, and that would be Noel Coleman. Coleman entered into the game tonight, averaging right around 14 and a half points per game, and he had 31 out of the 54 points for Hawaii. So you very much had a one-man band in this one. Now, Jerome Desarius is someone that winds up coming in from Princeton, so you know that he's a smart kid. He's able to give you right in the pocket of about seven rebounds per game. He wound up having eight points in this one, so he was able to do a relatively solid job, but this is a Hawaii team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth. This is a South Florida team that doesn't have a lot of depth. This is a South Florida team that they always get their tempo, whether they're playing against Auburn, whether they're playing against Virginia, list goes on and on. This is a team that they are looking to play really, really stinking slow. I think that they're going to be able to do so once again because I think that with setting this line at three and a half, I think that you wind up getting some late game falling. I just don't think that you're going to wind up having a lot of these teams hit a lot of these free throws, and I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game in general. So my handicap total on this game is going to be 123.5. So if you wind up seeing this open up in the AM at a 123 or lower, I will like the over 124 or higher. I look at the under, and with the Y, willing to lay pretty much up to three with them at 3.5. You probably want to be shopping the number a little bit, and then when it comes to four or more, going to be taking a look at South Florida. So that's why that handicap that one, and then you're going to have after that, the BYU versus Vanderbilt game. When it comes to this game, I want to thank BYU as an 8.5 point favorite. Now, Vanderbilt has been a very good team to the under. You take a look at this BYU defense, and it has been stifling. They've been one of the better teams in all of college basketball at being able to guard the three-point arc, which I think is going to be very big because this is a Vanderbilt team that they don't necessarily do a ton down low. They've been dealing with a whole bunch of ailments, which has really hurt them. Rodney Chapman, along with Liam Robbins, has been dealing with injuries, so that is going to be putting them behind the eight ball. So Vanderbilt, as a result, they've had to look to Jordan Wright, who has been missing right for this team by and large throughout the season. 12.5 points per game. Guy that's able to shoot in the 30s from three-point range had just six points in the game against Hawaii that we wound up just seeing, but... A good sign for this Vanderbilt team is that with being so top-heavy, they needed someone to be able to step up, and Shane DeZonier was able to give the team 10 points, so he looked very solid in that game against Hawaii. you got to be wondering if that was just a little bit of a flash in the pan or something that they're going to be able to rely upon moving forward, but this is a Vanderbilt team that overall they have not been shooting it well from three-point range. They wound up going just 5 of 22 in their game against Hawaii, and this is an Hawaii team that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to guard the arc, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at this BYU team. In terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage, they entered into the night 17th in all of college basketball. That went up because South Florida just can't put the ball in the basket to save their lives. So this is a BYU team that I think that they're going to be able to hold up there. And then they've got a guy that is literally shooting about 50% from three-point range this year, and that'd be Alex Barcel, a guy that's able to give you 18 points per game. He is just absolutely solid for the team. Gideon George is someone that comes in as a JUCO transfer. I think that he's going to be able to do some nice things for this team as well. He's been averaging right around seven rebounds per game. Caleb Lawner is someone that is able to do a good job with his versatility as well. Gives you right around six to seven rebounds per game. Hasn't attempted as many threes as he did last season, but a guy that's able to pop a couple threes as well. And then when it comes to Vanderbilt, we've got to be talking about their top player, and that'd be Scotty Pippen Jr., a guy that last year was certain in all of college basketball with regards to free throw attempts per game. He has seen that number cut nearly in half this season, so I think that that's going to be an issue. What I've also noticed when it comes to BYU totals is that they've been set a little bit too high. I think that people are just still under the impression that this is a BYU team that is looking to run and gun. They wound up having a little bit of a coaching change a few years ago, and as a result, we have seen their tempo change a little bit as well. This has been a team that they have very much been looking to embrace, playing a little bit more slow, grimy styles. We wound up seeing them hold South Florida to 2 of 21 three-point shooting 
in the game last night slash this morning. So they were able to do a solid job there. And when it comes to BYU as well, you didn't wind up having necessarily the world's biggest game against South Florida, but Tejon Lucas has been able to give you a little bit over five assists per game. He did wind up having seven assists in that one. Did wind up having four total four turnovers as well as BYU did wind up having 16 of them. They're not necessarily great at being able to hold on to the ball, but at the same time, they're not necessarily quite that bad as well. They are they were facing against a South Florida team that legitimately is relatively solid on defense, which is why I did wind up saying that total a few minutes ago that I wanted to bring through was South Florida versus versus Hawaii so low. But when it comes to BYU, not necessarily a deep team. So you're going to need Busani Trayer to be able to step up a guy that's able to give you 6.6 rebounds per game. Overall, BYU shooting 36.5% from three-point range. I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job in this game. But with Vanderbilt, due to the fact that they've been without Rodney Chapman, along with Liam Robbins, they've had to slow down their tempo a little bit more. And BYU, they themselves, even though they're averaging right around 77 points per game, a little bit of a product of this has been the fact that they've played a lot of games with late game fouling. They've wound up playing a game that wound up going to overtime as well. So I think that this is a case in which you got to be looking at more of the per possession basis rather than the per game basis. And when it comes down to it, I do think that BYU should be able to do a pretty dominant job in this game. Wanna making them an eight and a half point favorite in this spot. And it is a total that I want to sing at 132 and a half as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at that when it comes to college basketball with regards to the Diamond Egg Classic. When it comes to the games that just wound up going final, we've got a lot of other games for the Diamond Egg Classic and a few other games with numbers as well that we're going to be throwing at you next. That is right here on the look at on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Save 50% off a of VSIN all access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. Get access to our in depth matchup analysis trends and picks for every game on the and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the money is going for every game. Sign up now and you'll also get our daily best bets email, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every single bowl game. You get this for just $39. That is at vcin.com slash subscribe as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg and we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of college basketball. We don't necessarily have the world's biggest slate in the world, but as you guys know, I always wind up giving out a play for the New York Post. Now, it becomes very, very difficult because, well, you don't have a lot of games with lines currently on the board. You've got Fresno State versus Weber State, Butler versus St. John's, Wagner versus Fairfield. So sometimes we have to wind up going to the back of the playbook. We have to take a look at a lot of projections, and we have to sort of handicap forward, and I wound up having to do this one for the New York Post says right now you've got no lines, but a game that wound up getting added between George Mason and Wisconsin. Both teams wound up having their respective opponents does not be able to play them. Morgan State, it seems like is dealing with some health and safety protocols along compensate. So you wind up getting George Mason versus Wisconsin, which I think is going to be an interesting matchup. Now, I wound up talking with Eric Haslam of Haslam Metrics. He does a great job when it comes to college basketball. He, Ken Pomeroy, Evan Miyakawa, all these guys do a great job of being able to take a look at lines. And you oftentimes notice that when it comes to Las Vegas, the opening lines, very, 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 actually, they're dead on with regards to Ken Pom. I wonder how, I wonder why. Maybe they're copying and pasting, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But with that said, a lot of places, they wound up lining Wisconsin as right around an eight and a half, nine-ish point favorite. I know that Eric wound up putting them as a nine-point favorite. I want to make it the line five and a half myself. So I'm going to be riding with George Mason in this spot, assuming that we're going to be getting a relatively respectable line here. If you take a look at George Mason, when they wound up playing against Maryland, they were about a nine and a half point underdog when they wound up winning that game outright. And I mean, they were in a relative pick game against Georgia and Georgia is absolutely terrible. They're, they're coached by Tom Crean. That's all that I need to say about them. But when it comes to the spot, I do think that you're going to be able to get some good value with George Mason. I just mentioned it. They wound up being able to knock off Maryland on the road. They wound up being able to also knock off Georgia on the road. Now, when it comes to this George Mason team, what I think is going to be really intriguing for them is being able to do a good job against Johnny Davis because he is literally Wisconsin basketball right now. He and Brad Davison are combining for about 35 points per game. 
Johnny Davis has literally been a walking bucket. Outside of Johnny Davis, you don't have much of anything when it comes to this Wisconsin Badgers team. With the Badgers, they're shooting as a collective about 29.6% from three-point range. So, and it's not necessarily been too terrific. They've been out-rebounded by their opponents as well. Meanwhile, you've got a George Mason team that, among 358 T1 teams, they rank more around 65th. When it comes to rebound rate, Deshaun Schwartz is someone that is a six foot seven combo player. He's given the team right around 14 to 15 points per game, shooting it well from three-point range. Josh Oduru has been able to give you 17 points, seven boards per game. Devontae Gaines is able to give you seven and a half rebounds per game. And with Wisconsin, you haven't necessarily been able to get as much of that. Now, Chris Vogt is someone that does wind up standing seven foot one. He's been a relatively solid guy for this team down low, but he doesn't wind up seeing a whole lot of minutes. Tyler Wall has been more of that. And he does give the team a block and a half per game, but Outside of what you're able to get out of Brad Davidson along Johnny Davis, there's not a lot there. And when it comes to Wisconsin, they wound up having that nice run against Indiana. But in order to have a nice run to be able to win outright against Indiana, that means that you wind up falling down big as well. And I could see that being the case here because, I mean, you take a look at their last game against Nichols. Now, it needs to be pointed out, Johnny Davis did not wind up playing in this game. And when Johnny Davis is not played in games, they very nearly lose on their home floor to a nickel team that just got blown out by Oregon State, which you're getting blown out by Oregon State. That is a sad state of affairs for your program. And in their other game, they wound up losing on their home floor to Providence. So I think that that is very important to take note of. We all know what Wisconsin is going to be doing. This is a Wisconsin team that they are going to be playing very slow. They're not going to turn the ball over this. They've committed right around eight after nine turnovers per game. So they do a very good job of being able to control the ball, of being able to just go at their own pace. Meanwhile, this is a George Mason team that they can be a little bit more, more harebrained, but they shoot a little bit over 70%. Free throw line, it's not like they have an outrageous amount of turnovers or anything like that. And you've got a lot of guys that they've done a good job of playing positionless basketball. Kim English is someone that I do have a lot of respect for. He's done an absolutely terrific job taking over a George Mason program that I'm going to call it what it is. It just did not wind up ascending the last few years like many people wound up expecting. And then you've also got some good, I always like to call them mixers and shakers, like Xavier Johnson. He only gives the team right around five points per game, but he chips in there four and a half assists. He gives you 1.3 steals per game. So I think that's going to be beneficial. George Mason overall shoots 36% from three-point range. They've been able to only generate right around six steals per game, but they do a good job of being able to force more or less dead ball turnovers as well. So I do think that this is a George Mason team that is going to be able to hold in this game. My personal handicap on this game is George Mason being a five and a half point underdog. I also did wind up saying this at 127 and a half. You just know what you're expecting when it comes to Wisconsin. This is a team that I think is going to have a little bit of a tough time putting the ball in the basket from three point range. George Mason has actually been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to their interior defense as well. So I think that this is going to be a good spot for George Mason to be able to cover. Don't necessarily like them on the money line, but I do think that you're going to see a very competitive game for a George Mason team that wound up stepping up at the last minute and giving us something to bet on on Thursday. So we do salute them and we do salute Wisconsin for making it happen as well. I can appreciate them winding up taking this game. And I can also appreciate the fact that we've actually got a game on the board with numbers as this is right at the top of the betting board. You're not going to need as much help with rotation numbers on this one, but you got 8, 11, 8, 12, Fresno State and Weber State. Weber State is finding themselves as anywhere between a one and one and a half point favorite. Turnalons game is anywhere between 135 and a half and 136. And when it comes to Weber State, I want to make them a three-point favorite. I think that on a neutral court, these two teams will be dead equal. Now, Orlando Robinson is a big key for this Fresno State team. He is seven feet tall. He shoots 33% from three-point range, 18 points, eight rebounds per game. But 
with Fresno State. You've all of a sudden got question marks once again when it comes to the backcourt. Jamero Baker has just been in and out of the fold. You have to be checking like literally every 45 minutes to see where he's at because he wanted playing a pair of games for this team recently. They were against Cal Poly and then their previous game as well. He had a combined 30 points in that one, but their most recent game against Utah, he was out once again. He's been dealing with eligibility things. He's been dealing with injuries. I mean, it's just one thing after another that has kept him off the floor, so it's been a little bit sad there, but when it comes to what you're able to get outside of him, because I think that there's a good chance that you might wind up seeing Jamero Baker not wind up playing in this game, and that's big because he averaged double figures at Arizona last season. But outside of him, you do have someone like a Josh Campbell who's able to give you right around nine points per game. He's able to do a solid job of being able to help you out there. And then you've had Deion Stroud being in and out of the fold as well. Another guy that's able to bump in there right around eight to nine points per game, a couple of assists, but... I think that Weaver State has the advantage out there in the backcourt. Now, they only shoot as a collective 31% from three-point range, but among their top three scorers, two of them shoot at least 36.5% from three-point range. And you've got Kobe McEwen, who winds up coming in for Marquette, and he has been very solid for the team. A guy that's able to give you 16 points, does a good job of being able to dish out the ball with right around four assists per game. This is someone that wanted to actually be getting his career in the state of Utah at Utah State. So you can tell that he seems to be very... He seems to be just really feeling good about being back to where he was a little bit previously. And then when it comes to what you're able to get outside of him, you've got Seku Shisha Jawara, a guy that's able to give you right around three assists per game. He's been the main facilitator, but he's also a guy that's able to pop it from three-point range, 12 points per game, shooting 39% from distance, also gives you a seal and a half per game. This is a Weaver State team that they've been relatively battle-tested themselves. You take a look at the run that they've had. They wind up losing to BYU and Utah State, but they stepped out. They wind up taking those games. And when it comes to Weber State, this has really been a team that has been giving up the points recently in all three of their step-up games, Washington State, Utah State, and BYU. They wind up giving up north of 90 points in those. But you take a look at this Fresno State team, and this is a team that really outside of their game against Cal Poly. And Cal Poly, let's call it what it is. They're a little bit of a downtrodden college basketball program. They have scored 63 points or fewer in every one of them. In their step-up games, they've scored very few amount of points. In their game against Utah, they wound up scoring 50. In their game against San Francisco, 63. So, I mean, this is a real battle of styles. As a result, I do think that this is a relatively inline total. I wound up setting mine at 135 personally. So, you're at like a 135.5, 136. I do look at the under. I'll probably be taking a look to see what way this line winds up moving. Because if this winds up going up a little bit more, then you got a little bit more value to the under. If this winds up dipping to more like a 134, then I would be taking a look at an over on a 134 rather than an under on 136. Because when you do wind up having tight games like this, in the final minute, if it's like a five, six point differential, you know what's going to be happening. Guys are going to be marching to the free throw line. And when it comes to Weber State, this is a relatively soft free throw shooting team. Fresno State, they do have their ups and downs at the free throw line, but by and large, they're not necessarily too bad either. But it's a Weber State team that they shoot 73% at the free throw line. I also like what you're able to get out of Dylan Jones down low. Doesn't necessarily have ideal size, but 13.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.7 steals per game. So he is certainly a set sheet suffer. And then You've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Cody Carlson, but there's a chance that he might be able to get there out there as well as Weaver State has been getting a lot of their key pieces back. And speaking of key pieces, a key piece of what we're going to be seeing with regards to all the action in sports is going to be the NBA on Thursday. So we're going to be giving some love to the NBA right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network coming up next. So we are going to be heading to the association. 
This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sign up for a play card debit MasterCard and get paid faster than with a usual paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply. Subject to card activation and ID verification. Terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank and a member FDIC. As we're back here on the look at it, it is myself, Greg Peterson. Got to give some love to all the people that make this show possible. It's not just myself sitting up here talking about all these lines and everything like that, trying to find you guys some winners, but the real winners are behind the scenes. You've got Jason Kahn, my wonderful producer. you got my man Nick Wells doing a great job as the technical director. You've also got Oliver, who does a great job with being just able to do a little bit of everything he does, just assisting wherever is needed, and a big fan of the show. So we always appreciate that. And then you've got Mikhail always getting me set up on audio. So all these guys do a terrific job. They're working hard on what is a holiday week to be able to help you guys just see my face on your TV slash whatever smart device you might be watching on, or if you're listening via radio without them, you would not be hearing me. So a big thanks to all of them and a big thanks to the NBA for still continuing on as we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to be able to take a look at on Thursday. Now I want to mention it at the top. It is very tough to be taking a look at these games when it comes to just overnight in general. Now you do have quite a few lines out there, but I want to talk a little bit more about the futures right now, just because when it comes to taking a look at some of these lines, I've, I'll be honest with you right now, in between breaks, I'm taking a look on Twitter. I'm taking a look at just all these team sites, trying to find COVID-19 information to be able to try to give you guys anything whatsoever, just because when it comes down to it, that is going to be such a big impact when it comes to just the NBA in general. But I feel like we're able to feel a little bit better when it comes to a little bit of these futures, just because when it comes to COVID-19, no doubt you don't want to be seeing it wreak havoc on the league. But at the same time, if a guy does wind up being out, Good news is it means that they're probably not going to be out for the postseason. And when you take a look at it right now, when it comes to odds to be able to win the championship, you've got the Brooklyn Nets at plus 245. You've got the Golden State Warriors from there at 6-1. The Phoenix Suns are at 7-1. Bucks are at plus 750. From there, you've got the Lakers and Jazz at 11-1. Heat are at 14-1. And then it's a big fall. 22-1, you've got the Philadelphia 76ers, the LA Clippers. And then you've got the Chicago Bulls at 30-1. The Mavericks are at 40 to 1 and at 35 to 1. You've got the number Nuggets. And when you take a look at this odds board, I can tell you right now, I want absolutely no piece of the Brooklyn Nets at plus 245. I wanted no piece of them in the preseason. I still don't want a piece of them. When it comes to the Nets, they don't necessarily have ideal depth. Kyrie Irving coming back as part time player is going to be terrific, but you just wonder how that blend is going to work as well. I want to see a couple games with Kyrie Irving being a part time player and not just the games that he winds up playing in, but the games that he doesn't wind up playing in because you've got to wonder if the Nets are going to be just playing maybe a little bit better with them, a little bit worse with them, if you wind up having it affect both their home games and the road games. I mean, it's a really strange situation, and honestly, When's the last time we've ever seen a guy only play in road games slash only play in home games or something like that? It's just one of these things in which I'm not sure what is necessarily going to be going on with that. And I don't necessarily feel too great about the Nets in general. When it comes to the Nets, obviously Kevin Durant has been terrific for the team. There's a reason why only Steph Curry leads him with regards to odds to be able to win MVP. But when it comes to this Nets team, I still do feel like there's a couple deficiencies, especially on defense when it comes to this team. So I would want absolutely no piece of them at plus 245. 
Now, the team that I really look at right now, and I've been looking at them all season, is the Warriors at 6-1. This is a Warriors team that they're only going to get better once you wind up having Clay Thompson and company winding coming back into the fold. James Wiseman has been dealing with an injury for darn near 12 months right now as well. So this is a Warriors team that has been able to do a great job of holding down the fort in the meantime. And with the Golden State Warriors, what has really been impressive with this team is the fact that you just have a bunch of guys that were really unheralded coming into the year, and they've been able to do not just good work, but I would call it exceptional work for this team. How about someone like a Jordan Poole being able to give, being able to give you 16 points per game? Juan Toscano Anderson is someone that played at Marquette, and I'm from the state of Wisconsin. I love college basketball. I forgot that he played at Marquette. He was that forgettable, and now he's actually been able to give this Golden State Warriors team good minutes. Gary Payton the second has come through for this team at times this season. So you've got a lot of guys that are doing some great work. Draymond Green has not necessarily been the scorer that he's been in the past. Only about eight and a half points per game from, but he still does a great job of just doing what is needed for the team. He's able to give you right around eight boards. He's able to give you seven half assists. Just the ultimate Swiss Army knife sort of triple double on 10 points sort of guy. So you've got to love what he's been able to bring to the table for the team. Whenever Otto Porter has been out there, he's been able to do a relatively solid job as well. Just a guy that is able to come in off the bench, be a little bit of a microwave score, shooting about 40% from three-point range. So they have all been able to really come together and do a great job. So I do think that this is a Warriors team that you got to be taking note of. And I even even mentioned Andrew Wiggins and the fact that he's really been living up to his billing this year. He's been able to be that good number two to Steph Curry because we all know what Steph is able to do. I mean, the guy is now the all-time leader with regards to three-point makes. He's just right now leading the league in MVP voting. As long as he stays healthy, in my opinion, he is going to be able to win that award. So and the Golden State Warriors, that's certainly where I'd be looking right now. But if you're looking a little bit further down the board, the Bucks at 750, I need to see how guys like Dante DiVincenzo and company wind up coming back. But I do think that you've always got to use the Ric Flair mentality in order to be the champ. you got to beat the champ. So I think that plus 750 is a relatively good number for right now. I think that it's fair. You're not getting ripped off. At the same time, you're not really getting value. So I think that it's sort of, it is what it is right now. But I doubt you right now. I've been talking about this and their odds of continued to skyfall or have continued to just go down, down, down. And I think that they should continue to go down. That would be the LA Lakers. This is just a team that the parts aren't fitting together right now. I mean, what were they thinking signing like seven senior citizens to the same thinking? Oh yeah, this NBA 2K11 roster. Yeah, that's going to be real great in 2021, 2022. I mean, the best attributes have been like Malik Monk being able to come through for this team. I, I like what I've seen out of the younger guys. The problem is they don't really have any of those guys. They would have said rather try to get a guy that's been five years washed up like a Rajon Rondo, and it's not been working out for this team. I mean, LeBron James is still an exceptional player. You can tell that there might be a little bit of a fall off, but I mean, you still take a look at LeBron James. He's still a top five player in the league, in my opinion, whenever he's been out there because he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He wound up having that COVID scare a few weeks ago as well, which that was just a big giant what you may do there. But I mean, he's still giving the team running six and a half points, what have you. But now that you've got a little bit of injury coming out with so many of these other ancillary pieces as well, Trevor Ariza has been banged up. Anthony Davis has been missing some time, and that's a big thing as well. Anthony Davis is an exceptional player. He has been unable to stay out there on the floor just night in and night out as well. That stuff, Austin Reeves, one of their star players. He has been out recently as well. Avery Bradley, and boy, 
I mean, this is a Lakers team that they want to bring a lot of pieces together, a lot of old pieces together. The fact that they are not getting these reps in right now, that's going to affect them. And when you take a look at the NBA, I know that you could just take a look at the box scores. You could take a look at just the back of these players trading card for lack of a better term, but chemistry still matters. You still need to go out there and you need to play the games. You can take a look at any form of basketball. 12 to 13-year-old basketball, high school basketball, college basketball, the NBA, Olympics, list goes on and on. The teams that always underachieve are the teams that they just wind up throwing together a super team. They think that all of a sudden that they're going to mesh, and you just need a little bit of time when it comes to the NBA. The Lakers are not getting that with a completely overall roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis with all these injuries, all this COVID-19 stuff. That is really hurting the LA Lakers. They should not be 11-1 right now. I mean, this is a team that is 16-16, and and quite frankly, I mean, do I think that they're going to get into the postseason? Yes, do I think that they're much better than 16 and 16? I honestly don't. I mean, this is this has been just absolutely strange what they wanted putting together and thinking, oh yeah, a very ball dominant, selfish player like Russell Westbrook is gonna play great together with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And no, sir, it has not. It is not whatsoever. Continue to fade the Lakers. They've been one of the worst against the spread teams all season long. This is a team that I just cannot get behind until you wind up seeing not just a good run. But a really good run with this team. I mean, right now, if you're betting on the Lakers when it comes to futures, when it comes to night in and night out basis, you're just lighting your money on fire. So, I mean, them being listed at 11 to 1, it probably should have been their preseason and it should be just continuing to go down, down, down. I have absolutely no faith in this team whatsoever. And you've got the Jazz at the same rate. And the Jazz are a team that is playing exceptional basketball. Rudy Gobert is able to give you 15 points, 15 rebounds per game. Donovan Spider Mitchell, just night in and night out. He gives you a tremendous effort. This is a team that they've got cohesion. They've been together for a few years. This is a very well-coached team as well. I will say that this is one of the more underrated coaching staffs in the NBA as well. If you're looking for a team at 11-1, I would certainly be taking a look at a team like the Utah Jazz. I think that this is a team that they're going to be able to bust through. I think that they're going to be able to make a good postseason run. So, I mean, save your money if you're looking to bet on the L.A. Lakers right now because whether it be night in and night out, whether it be futures, they're just not presenting a lot of value. When you're taking a little bit of a look further down the board, I do think that if you wind up getting back a healthy C.J. McCollum, if you're looking for a super long shot, I don't think that they'd be able to win the title, but maybe they wind up winning a series or two. Maybe you'd be able to hedge it out. The Portland Trailblazers at, I mean, an astronomical 120 to 1. I'm not saying that they're winning the title or anything like that, but I do think that there's a little bit of value there. And there's also value in just taking a look at the NFL. We're going to be taking a look forward to this upcoming NFL slate next right here on the Look It On Visa, the Sports Bank Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Friday's episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod features a Christmas conversation among friends. Japanese thoroughbred liaison Kate Hunter, Racing Post correspondent Scott Burton from Paris, and turf writer John Shura from Los Angeles Times discussed this year in review, and they look forward to 2022. You're able to subscribe now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or you can download it in the morning. That is at vcin.com slash podcast and the Ron Flyer Racing Pod that is sponsored by First Bet. As you're back here on the lookout, it is myself, Greg Hughes Peterson, and talking a little bit of everything right now. I just wanted to ripping the Lakers a new one in the last segment. We're going to be hitting on some bowl action in the final hour. We're going to be hitting on the college basketball games I've yet to as well coming up in the final hour as well. And then I'll give you guys what I all like with regards to just everything on the board in the final hour as well. We're, we're going to wrap that up in the final segment, but got to take a little bit of a look forward to some of the games of intrigue when it comes to the NFL as well, because we've got ourselves a very interesting week now. You obviously want to be taking a look at some of the health and safety protocol information because we're seeing a lot of guys currently going through virus protocol. And as we know, the NFL's virus protocol is changing very, very rapidly. I mean, I would not be surprised if we wind up waking up Christmas Day and it's like, oh, yeah, they wind up changing it again. But with that said, I do feel pretty secure about being able to take a look at this game as you've got the Chargers and the Houston Texans who are going to be doing battle. And when it comes to the Chargers, you're finding them in most spots a 10-point favorite, and you're finding the total at 45.5. I 
as much as I don't want to be laying 10 points on the road, I just really don't see a way in which you can back the Houston Texans at this point. This has just been a very, very sad organization to say the least. And I mean, quite frankly, the whole Deshaun Watson ordeal just wound up completely torpedoing them. This is going to be a little bit of body clock game for the Chargers. But I do think that even with that, you got a guy, Justin Herbert, who has really been able to do a great job for the team this season. When it comes to odds to be able to win MVP, I don't necessarily think that he's the worst look right now just because we have been seeing a lot of randomness coming through with the NFL. I don't know if he winds up winning it or not, but I mean, you just take a look at things in general and you've got a lot of love coming the way of Jonathan Taylor and rightfully so because Jonathan Taylor, if I had a vote, I would actually give it to him as of right now because he has been that spectacular for the Indianapolis Colts. But with that said, when you take a look at just the odds to be able to win MVP, we all know that Aaron Rodgers is right now the favorite at plus 125. But if you look down the list, Justin Herbert at 35 to 1, I mean, he's way behind what you're finding with like Josh Allen at 18 to 1, Patrick Mahomes at 12 to 1. I think that there's actually some relatively good value there, but I digress. When it comes to the Chargers team, you've got a team in which they have a deal with a little bit of an injury to Austin Eckler. He is going to be out for this game, so. You do want to be taking note of that. Meanwhile, for the Houston Texans, good news is they're not dealing with a lot of injuries. Bad news is they stink. You've got a Houston Texans team in which you just take a look at what they've all been dealing with, and it's been absolutely terrible. You've right now got Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, and not only do you have Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, but when it comes to injuries, you don't necessarily have that, but you know that with Brandon Cooks, he's dealing with being in the health and safety protocol as well. It looks like he's going to be winding up missing this game. David Johnson. He's right now questionable as well. Like the entire offensive line is right now questionable for this game with Lane Taylor and Justin McCray already ruled out. So boy, oh boy, you've got all that. And the entire defense of the Houston Texans, it seems like it's going to be out for this game as well. So you're going to be looking at guys like Xavier Williams in the front seven. So good luck there, Houston Texans, of trying to bottle up Justin Herbert, who has been absolutely superb this season. And then you take a look at the Chargers defense and... They did wind up having a big time hiccup in that game against the Browns when that was like a 49 to 42 S game. And Joey Bosa has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. But when you take a look at the secondary of this team, Derwin James is dealing with a little bit of an ailment. But you saw of Chris Harris, nice year Adderley, who I feel like is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. I think that these guys are all going to be rock solid. But you take a look at Derwin James, you do want to be checking in on his status because I think that that could be impactful when it comes to the total in this game because he is, in my opinion, one of the better safeties that you're going to find in the NFL. But you do have still the front set of guys like Jerry Jerry Tillery, pretty much all the guys not named Joey Bosa. They should be out there. And then when it comes to the Chargers as well, what I think is good is that now you've got Keenan Allen back in the fold. I know that he was dealing with a little bit of an ailment, so you're going to be rock solid there. They are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Andre Roberts, but that's very much an ancillary piece for this team. Jared Cook has been able to do a good job at the tight end spot. So when I take a look at this, sort of want to be finding out a little bit more when it comes to the injury information of the Chargers, but I think that there's a good chance that you could wind up seeing the Chargers get 35-plus all by themselves. This is a Texans team that I you literally open up their depth chart on whatever site that you're looking at, and you're just seeing out, 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 out. I mean, how are they supposed to be able to defend the Chargers? Because they weren't any good to start with. I think that actually laying tenure with the Chargers on the road, and I hate laying more than a touchdown on the road. I think that you're getting relatively good value right now because I just don't 
see any possible way in which it winds up becoming buyback on the Houston Texans. So, I mean, if you like the Chargers, you probably want to be taking 10 now because it's probably not going to be available. Like I would even say on Saturday. So that is something that I think is going to be intriguing. And then you've got, let's call it what it is, just a toilet bowl in this one, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York J-E-T-S Jets Jets Jets. For Jets, it stands for just end the season, and the Jaguars might as well do that as well. Urban Meyer being out as coach, I actually think is actually an upgrade when it comes to the Jaguars team, as right now, when it comes to the Jags, you are finding them pretty much even money on this game. You might be finding them as a one-point underdog. You might be finding them as a one-point favorite, but this is a relative pick'em game, and rightfully so. And when it comes down to it, uh, boy, I mean, this is a bad game, which has a total of right around 41 and a half, depending on where you look. And I think that the total is probably set too high in this game because with the Jacksonville Jaguars, this has been a team that has struggled on offense all season long, but you actually do have some redeeming qualities on the defense. I know that they didn't necessarily show through in their first game without Mr. Urban Meyer, but when it comes to this Jaguars team, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of holding up in this game. Now, you are dealing with a couple key guys being injured. Miles Jack, along with Malcolm Brown, they are both questionable for this game. So you want to be seeing a little bit more injury information as the week is going to be progressing. But I do think that they're going to have, at minimum, most of their defensive players out there as long as you don't wind up having some sort of a COVID-19 outbreak. And then when it comes to the Jaguars, it certainly has been a interesting look at James Robinson this season because... He has been someone that wound up getting benched by Urban Meyer in the game that they wound up playing against the Texans. That was lost, but he had 75 yards and a touchdown. Looked very solid in that game. Why they wound up benching him? I guess that you've got a case in which Urban Meyer just really did want to lose his job sooner rather than later because he is absolutely solid for this team. When it comes to these skill pieces, LaViscus Chenault, he's going to be out the fold. And the Jaguars have been trying to retread Laquan Treadwell, which I find to be absolutely hilarious. He did wind up having six receptions in that game against the Houston Texans, but when you wind up having someone like a Laquan Treadwell be a retread and they're trying to kick the tires on he, Tavon Austin, I mean, this looks like a team that would be terrific if you're playing like Madden 2017 or better yet, like an NCAA 2015 game because Treadwell, Tavon Austin, these guys haven't necessarily done as much in the NFL. In college, I mean, these guys were absolutely great. But, man, I mean, you don't necessarily have a lot of weapons for a guy in Trevor Lawrence that he has a good chance of finishing up with the most interceptions in the league this year. We're going to call it what it is. Nine touchdowns, 14 picks in the game against the Texans. Good news is he didn't throw any interceptions. Bad news is he completed fewer than 60% of his passes. And then you got the Jets, who are currently dealing with Robert Sala, who is in COVID-19 protocol. He is going to be out for this game. And we've got a Jets team in general that, boy, I mean, I'm ripping, I'm ripping apart the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. What do you have with the New York Jets right now? I mean, good gosh almighty. I mean, you got Zach Wilson, who has been absolutely terrible this year. I didn't see why he was picked at number two, and right now that's showing six touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Now, the poor guy doesn't really have any weapons right now to utilize at all. And the good news is he hasn't thrown an interception in the last two games. Bad news is he hasn't thrown any touchdowns in the last two games either. Devin Coleman, Michael Carter, these guys just do nothing for me on the ground. You've got an offensive line that is all sorts of questionable for this game as well. You take a look at the defense, and I think that this is a big thing with them. Right now, you're dealing with John Franklin Myers being out. 
Sheldon Rankins is dealing with an injury. Ashton Davis is out in the secondary. We've already been dealing with other guys being out of the fold in the secondary. I mean, you just take a look at this defense. And much like the Houston Texans, you're finding a whole bunch of guys are out, which means that you're going to have guys like Bryce Huff wind up getting started. So you do have Shaq Lawson still out there. That's good news. But, man, when you take a look at this spot, if I'm looking anywhere, I'm looking at the Jaguars just due to a motivational spot. I think that they want to stick it to Urban Meyer. I think that they're going to be a team that they just wind up coming out with a little bit more fire the rest of the season, just trying to be able to help themselves out, try to show incoming free agents that we aren't a bunch of bums. We can actually play a little bit of football. You can get excited to play with us. So if anything, I'm looking at the Jaguars right now. I want a little bit more information when it comes to all these injuries that we're seeing because right now that 41 I don't know if either team gets to 17 in this spot. And that's with all the Jets injuries as well. So what I like most right now is the under, which is really, really sad. And fortunately, we do have question marks, but there are fewer of them. When it comes to the college basketball board, we're going to be hitting that next right here on The Look At on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.